welcome to the Items Podcast. I am Santiago Borio, an Impact Activation Fellow. I am here with David Stern, a founding director of Items. Hi, David. Hi, Santiago. We're here at the second Items Podcast, my first with you. That's quite exciting. What are we going to discuss? Well, in the first podcast, you discussed the ideas behind Items and the sort of human side. I want to hone in on Items. That's a strange word. What does Items actually mean? What's really interesting, it's an acronym. It stands for Innovations in Development, Education and the Mathematical Sciences. But it's been chosen as something which is more than just an acronym. Actually, IDEMS could be many other acronyms in the future. That's, that was a deliberate thought, a deliberate part of it. And it actually, it works as a, a word, IDEM actually. is a sort of, you know, has some mathematical meaning, IDEM potence or sort of, there's a mathematical term behind this. And so... It was something where there was meaning, and hopefully to the word itself, it could take on a meaning of its own beyond itself as an acronym. Okay. So many questions come to mind. I'm not sure I want to go into the mathematical side of things. Absolutely. I think that's a good idea for a second (laughs) podcast. Maybe later on we can become a little bit more mathematical about these. But But the, the, the acronym itself, Innovations in Development, Education and the Mathematical Sciences. And there's several aspects in there. As Lily said in the last episode, every single word is important for you and every single word has a meaning. Innovations, first word in items. And it's somehow different to the other words, I think, is important. And it comes from the fact that we live in a time where I don't think business as usual is working. It's not, uh, we discussed a little bit, the crises that the world is facing. We feel there's a need for innovation. There is an opportunity for innovation right now. And to think about and to do things differently. And more than that, I never wanted to set up a business. I never wanted to become an entrepreneur. I wanted to be an academic. I felt I was forced out of academia into the space of entrepreneurship because innovation was needed. And and that's sort of central to what we're doing. I was hang needed- on a second. Hang on a second. Um, research and development and all you know the reason or one of the reasons why universities exist and academia exists is for innovations to happen. No, that's one of the reasons university existed. Uh-huh. There's a past tense here, which is important and which is difficult. Universities are not serving the innovation role that I think they should. They are not the space for innovation in society, which is needed. They're too uh, siloed. You, you are in your academic discipline before you are an innovator. Most good innovation comes from being transdisciplinary, cutting across disciplines. Whereas within academia, you are in your discipline first and foremost, which restricts and constrains innovation. So currently, academia is not the right space for innovation to happen. And I'm speaking not only from my personal experience, from discussing widely within academic circles, with other academics who feel so constrained by the current academic systems. Okay. And you feel that innovation is needed in society? Innovation is needed in so many different areas and different places. And arguably, in society at the moment, the place where people feel innovation happens is the startup culture. 
It's in, it's in entrepreneurship. That is what people associate with innovation. Entrepreneurship and innovation in certain circles are, are almost seen as synonyms. Now, in my mind, they're very different, but I'm, I'm embracing entrepreneurship as a way to innovate. And that's very much what is in our society at the moment. Okay. Um, you left academia because you wanted to innovate. Yes. Um, no, because I needed to innovate. Because you needed to innovate. I, I felt innovation was needed. I wanted to stay in academia. Okay. And um, you, you speak about that in your in the first annual report for items. Yeah. You, you, I'm a reluctant entrepreneur, but I've embraced it. Um, okay. And um, you chose from my reading of the items acronym, you chose three areas to innovate in development, education, and the mathematical sciences. And that number three is quite it, it appears all over items, and we'll get back to the three, and that's partly what the logo uh, symbolizes. Yeah. Um, but there's three areas where you chose or you felt that you had to innovate. Yes. And they're very much interconnected. Absolutely. And I'd like to explore each one individually first, and then the interconnectedness. Absolutely. Well, okay. you, you mentioned the logo. That's probably a whole nother podcast about the power of three and the, the, the trefoil knot, which is in, in the logo. But you're right. That interconnectedness is central, but each one is important in its own right. So let's start with development. This is coming from a perspective of international development. When we describe the community we serve, we talk about poverty. We talk about relative and absolute poverty, serving people who are in, in need. What is, of course, important is that this is not, although in our experience, we were really starting from the idea of international development. From day one, we were recognizing that all countries, however developed they are, are needing to change. This is what the Sustainable Development Goals are pointing towards. Development transformation, societal transformation is needed everywhere. And that's what we're talking about in development. And a lot of that is actually serving people who are in poverty and in need. Yep. And you mentioned the, the community that we serve, and that's something we'll get into in detail Absolutely. in a future episode. But it's very important that... To mention, I think that that comes from the fact that items is a social enterprise. Exactly, the na our nature is a social enterprise. But more than that, the the way we're thinking about innovation, it's not innovation for innovation's sake. It's innovation to serve something. And so, for development, this is seen as the sustainable development goals. This is seen as serving, in particular, within that poverty. Relative and absolute. And that distinction uh, is important. And that doesn't restrict us to work in the so-called developing world. No, it, this is not a restriction. This is, and, and more than that, you have poverty, which is increasing everywhere in the world. In the UK, where we're sitting at the moment, there, there are increasing issues around poverty. And, and so that is really important that we're serving those who are, who are in need. That's the relative rather than just absolute. So, um, education. This is a, it's both a tool and an end in its own right. 
education is one way to serve. It is it is a, a, a service that we're able to provide. And it's a service which I believe is needed. When I was finally brave enough to start working in international development again, it was through education as something which I believe if we can improve education, then the skills that people will gain will enable them to, to, to solve their own problems. And so the need for education as a way to develop a society is one that I believe in. But education is important in its own right. And so it isn't just education in the context of poverty. We could be doing education for the wealthiest children in the world, and that would still be worthwhile because education is important in its own right. Or even education uh, at a professional level. We do training for corporations. But education, I take in the broadest sense. This isn't just formal education. This is informal education as well. This can be education which is pre-primary You know, it can be education up to PhD. It can be education which is in-service training for teachers or for professionals. It can be, you know, lifelong learning is something I believe in. It can be totally informal. Even when you're at school, the idea of having education within a formalized context and extracurricular activities, all of these are important and fall within our remit of education we believe is important and our remit as well or our innovations in education are both direct training and education and courses and in support of others working in education yes but i think the the key point there and this is again tying it into the innovation we need to really get back to our We need to get to our principles to understand the nature of our innovations. So actually, our innovations are both very broad, they're very holistic, but they're also highly constrained by our principles, by how we're trying to innovate. There are certain things that we we do, certain things that we don't do, which are decided based on how they fit into a bigger picture of education and the education we want to see. And so that's that sort of, there's a lot of complexity in what we do. And education is at the heart of a lot of that complexity because formal education systems are extremely successful in many, many different ways, but they're also extremely problematic in many different ways. And there's problems which come in different countries. Problems are different, but a lot of the a lot of similarities exist across contexts. And so that complexity of different forms of education, different contexts, not looking for silver bullets, but actually looking for holistic ways of, of shifting education in ways which are going to serve society better in the future. That's at the heart of what we try and do in education. And you mentioned complexities, and I think that where mathematical science is coming in quite nicely. Well, mathematical sciences is both about, as we've discussed before, about being having the tools to deal with complexity, but also understanding how to reduce complexity down to something which you can manage and you can deal with and actually say something about. If you live purely in, in complexity, then you often find it's difficult to take a position, whereas actually being able to reduce the complexity down to something which is complex, but solvable in a mathematical sense that sort of becomes a part of this and the mathematical sciences are a powerful tool for this and you explain what 
um, what we mean by mathematical sciences in the previous podcast, but I think it's worth mentioning very briefly again what mathematical Absolutely. sciences are. And, and, and this is something where, as a term, it's very natural for for me, but even within mathematics, statistics, other areas, not everyone is familiar with this idea of the mathematical sciences. It's a well-established term which captures broadly everything you can do with just your brain and a computer. So that includes pure maths, applied maths, that includes statistics, data science, computer science, theoretical physics, not experimental physics. Experimental physics, you'd need a lab. Biology, you'd need a lab. Chemistry, you'd need a lab. Those are other sciences that would not fit into the purely mathematical sciences. But if you abstract them out to something where you only need your brain and a computer, that would then be captured by the mathematical sciences. So mathematical biology is an instance of the mathematical sciences. Okay. We've been talking about innovations. It's a very important word. How do we innovate in the mathematical sciences? Well, it's more than just, there's two different areas of this. I think sort of just as thinking about the community was useful for development. Thinking about our community for the mathematical sciences is really important. That actually we are thinking about people who are mathematical scientists and supporting and enabling them. But we're also thinking about people who use the mathematical sciences. And this is really important about the innovation. Many lay people may assume that, for example, if you talk about pure maths and applied maths, when you talk about applied maths, you are talking about mathematics, which has applications. But no, applications of mathematics is very different from applied math. You actually have as many applications of pure math nowadays as you do of applied math. There is a historical difference between the mathematics which are classified as being pure or applied, but studying mathematics into either of those has nothing really to do with the applications. Applications of mathematics is a whole different area and often not respected academically. So understanding how applications of mathematics serve different areas, different communities, is often undervalued in academia. And this is part of what is central to our innovation. It's about actually saying that, you know, we don't necessarily need new math. The most advanced math most people are aware of is, is very old. There has been more maths discovered or invented, depending on which side of that fence you live, in the last 50 years than ever before, maybe in the last 10 years than ever before. Actually, the rate at which we are advancing in mathematics is extremely fast. It's really exciting, it's great. But we're not seeing many of those applications come to fruition anytime soon. We're not even exploiting the applications of mathematics which are 100 years old yet fully. We really need more people to be able to sort of use the mathematics which already exists. I see mathematics as a language, an incredibly powerful language which you can use to understand the world. And we need many more people to be using that language more effectively in many other disciplines, and not just other disciplines, in other areas, so that we can be more effectively communicating about how the world works and our understanding of how the world works. That's a lot to take in, but very interesting indeed. I I heard you speak about an example of this with regards to statistics. And uh, I, I think, you know, you have 
a very passionate argument. What does it mean practically? And I think that the argument that you gave me before, statistics and... How it's taught in schools in the UK, for example. Is that a sensible one or maybe... No, no, no. Your father's relationship with mathematicians. Oh, okay, yes. So my father's a statistician. And he was going back to the 1960s, 1970s, when when he was sort of in this avant-garde, I would say, of statisticians who were on the really applied side. He was part of the group at Reading University that became world-renowned renowned because, as statistics, they moved out of mathematics and into agriculture, and they were serving agriculture. And they were applied statisticians and they fought these battles for applied statistics to be recognized because of the value it brought to agriculture. And they trained people across the world in this. And he has been extremely successful in many ways throughout his career and a total failure because actually statistics of Reading has gone back into mathematics. There are other places which are taking this on. Applied statistics is more renowned. Generally, it's more well accepted. But this aspect of actually taking his skills and using them is for the benefit of other disciplines. There's a lot of complexity which comes into that. And in in general, in terms of his academic progression, without a doubt, it was held back because the systems in play were more interested, were valuing more the mathematical approaches which were advancing the discipline of statistics rather than the applications of it. And this has been sort of a constant debate, but I would argue that data science only exists because people like my father failed at actually getting applied statistics to be the leading force in statistics. That's a whole other discussion, a whole other podcast. I was going to say, uh, um, maybe even a podcast series. And maybe even a podcast series. Uh, but let, let, let's get back into items. We mentioned interconnectedness, and we discussed innovations in each one of the three areas, development, education, mathematical sciences. Arguably, some of them are not easy to relate with each other. Oh, development and education but possibly easy, mathematical sciences and education, again. So I, I want to challenge you on the the least obvious one first, the relationship between development and mathematical sciences. It's obvious that basically at the moment in international development and social impact, the areas where you work in, in for towards development of society, mathematical sciences are underrepresented. This is exactly what the first podcast was about, getting those minds involved in those communities, part of those communities. Historically, there's good reasons why they were not excluded, but they weren't being included enough as part of those debates, as part of that, bringing their voices into that. That's an obvious one. So any pairwise, what you're doing here is looking at the pairwise connections. Of course, it's really easy to look (laughs) at all three together. You just need to look at this. But broadly speaking, applying the mathematical sciences, thinking about solutions. You know, remember, the mathematical sciences includes computer sciences, developing software for the margins of society rather than for the mainstream society. That would be an interesting... how the software that is being developed doesn't always fit the needs of... Exactly. Certain communities. This is obviously going to be a whole other 
podcast series on, on, on that because that's central to a lot of what we do. But this is sort of actually thinking about how do we build technology that serves the margins, that serves those who are who need support to develop. And potentially how looking at the problems in those uh, margins um, and developing solutions for those margins can lead to better solutions. Absolutely. And, I, and this is something I believe I believe more fundamentally. So let's actually look at the more interesting intersection, which is the intersection of all three. Okay. Mathematics, education for people in low resource, difficult environments. That is central to something I am passionate about. Actually understanding this is how I believe we can actually have a really big impact on the world. Because if we enable people in really low resource environments to have the skill to build the technologies and to use the data they have in their environments to find their solutions, I believe their solutions are more scalable than solutions we find in other environments. So actually combining those three is, is potentially a real sweet spot. It's a place I love to work. We don't get that much opportunity to do so, not as much as I would like. But that's that's the real sweet spot, I think, because that's where I see real opportunity. The youth of the future is Africa. This is the continent with the highest population growth rates at the moment. Not just the youth, the workforce. Well, the workforce of the future is the youth of tomorrow. So, yes, yeah, so that, that's not a different sense. So the workforce of today is more evenly distributed in different ways. It's not the biggest workforce. But in the future, they're going to be the workforce of the future because that's where the youth of the future are. If they had strong mathematical science skills, they're going to be well prepared for the digital jobs of the future because the jobs of the future are going to be digital. So that's an exciting prospect. And that is a real opportunity. And it's a real interesting, that's at the center of our areas, innovations, thinking about innovations, not only our innovations, but their innovations, enabling innovation enabling them to innovate and learning from their innovations and and having the sort of structures in place to support those innovations to impact not just them in their context but have more scalable more global impact those are the that's the dream and that's where the innovations and development education and mathematical sciences converge into exactly. items into items but it's items isn't just that sweet spot it's individual components you don't we we do we believe the work needs to be done on each of these individually on the pairwise components that you drew out first and our sweet spot in the middle that that's where i love to work right well very interesting indeed i think we are getting towards an understanding of what items is and i look forward to discussing a bit more the rest of the name absolutely with well, the rest of the company's name because i think what's really important is remember this is the idems podcast and the idems podcast isn't just about idems the institution the organization the company we'll discuss about the fact it's actually the proper name is idems international community interest company that's a whole nother podcast but the idems podcast is i believe much more about what we've just discussed today and the stories related to that, be they items, organizational stories or others. This is, there's the stories that I want to tell. 
And that's what I hope the podcast will be about. All right. Looking forward to it. Thank you.